0: Friends, welcome to the Sunday sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Caroza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. Today's gospel reading is very easy for us to preach on as priests because the whole liturgy gives us exactly the topic that we should be discussing, and that is the family. The fact that God, when he decided to become a human being, did not just absorb an adult male body or create one for himself and walk out of the desert, but instead chose to enter the world the same way we do, to be born into a family and submit himself to a human mother and father. Well, that shows us that, of course, God blessed the family, and the family becomes the greatest school that has ever existed, In fact, I often tell couples when they come in to have their baby baptized that I say, all of the adults that your children are going to meet throughout their lives, everyone else combined, will not teach them as much as they're going to learn from the two of you. Parents are the best teachers of their children, and they need to be the best. They need to do everything in their power to be the best they can be. And children, of course, need to understand and respect the awesome gift that God has given to your parents, in entrusting you to them to raise for him, that they have a great responsibility, and together to cooperate with each other to try to help our families be the strongest they can be. And one of the biggest topics that we hear discussed and that many of us are concerned about these days is the rise of violence among young people between school shootings and cyberbullying and the high number of young people committing suicide after being bullied online. Everything we really are beginning to worry. I mean, there have always been schoolyard bullies throughout the ages, but this day and age, it's risen to a much greater level. So much so that I've talked to some young people who are actually afraid to go to school in the morning because they're afraid there may be a shooting. And that's not healthy. That's not good for a child. Obviously, you and I can't do much on ourselves or by ourselves to end, you know, school violence of that nature, but certainly to do everything we can to strengthen our children and help them to know how to respond as best they can when there's a bullying situation, to make them feel better about themselves so that it won't affect them as much as it might affect others. But people have been questioning and all sorts of surveys, trying to figure out what is the, behind this spike in youth violence these days. And study after study all come up with one element that they say is a major factor in the rise of child violence, and that is the breakdown of the family. That many children are raised in single families, and sometimes, of course, there's nothing we can do about it, not differently, especially, for example, when a parent is widowed. but the majority of children today are being conceived out of wedlock. Many children don't even know who their fathers are or their fathers are not involved in their lives at all, and that puts a burden on the mother that she has to somehow try to be double parent for children while at the same time uh, raising money to, to support the family. And even outside of that, even when we have stable families uh, with a good, solid marriage, still today most mothers are out working And when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. You know, the father was the breadwinner and he would go out and work. And when we came home from school, mom was home. But now that's not the case anymore. Very few mothers are stay-home mothers. Most mothers now are out working. And don't get me wrong, I'm not for a moment trying to say anything against uh, mothers going out to work. Of course, in many situations, it's absolutely necessary. But it does create a situation that is... if if that's the situation, maybe unavoidable, and certainly we want to see what we can do to acknowledge it and put other things in place to try to help. Most especially when we realize that children, if both parents are working, when they come home, they'll be by themselves, and many children come home to an empty house. And while that's always had problems, in today's world, there's an extra element of danger in that, and that is the Internet because children can be there unsupervised, and if there are no parental controls on the internet, from uh, social media and all sorts of different places where teens especially will interact with others and sometimes very inappropriate conversations where cyberbullying and a lot of that will take place to pornography to so many other things that are dangerous to a child's well-being and there's nobody there to notice it and many good children are being caught up in that simply because they're home alone and there's no one checking afterwards what sites they've been on or making sure there were blocks on the program and putting other things in place to try to help a child not want to look towards those things when the child is alone. Because let's face it, parents can't be with their children all the time. You can't be there always watching everything they're doing. And so we want to try our best to instill virtues in them that we know will be with them even when they are alone or when they go out with their friends. Obviously, parents can't go out with their, friend, with their children and hang out with their friends and sit next to them in, uh, in the movies and walk through the mall with them. No, they have to know that they're sending their children out and the morals and the values that they have taught you, children, are going to go with you. And so they worry about that and there are great concerns on a parent's part. And one of the greatest things we can do to try to lessen the severity or the possibility of anybody doing something inappropriate is spending time together as a family. It is a sad consequence of many things in our world that we discover many families are not together. And it's a variety of reasons for that. Many of you who are here today, of course, are already grandparents, and more and more, We notice families turning to grandparents to help with the children as the parents are out at work, if the grandparent is retired, being there to take care of the child. And that's a wonderful addition. And so you, even though your grandparents... You know, sometimes you might feel like I raised my kids and now I'm also raising my grandchildren. You know, well, but often you're doing something very important to help your family. And also not being afraid to step up and say something and do something, especially if you notice your children being necessarily or, or actually neglectful of their children, to try to do something to try to heal that. Maybe saying a word to them or perhaps even saying, If your children are not taking the grandchildren out enough and spending enough time with them, then plan things. Why don't you guys come over to my house for the day and we'll do something? Little different things that can take place that can help strengthen our families. One of the biggest things that we have lost that is hurting families tremendously is Sunday as a day of rest. When I was a boy, we were always together with the family on Sunday, because there were no stores open, nobody dared do chores on Sunday, there were no Little League games or anything like that, nobody ever had a birthday party on a Sunday, so we all went to Mass in the morning, there was little to interfere with it, and then we spent the day together. When we were really little, my grandmother would have all of us over for Sunday dinner, and my cousins would be there and everything, as we got older that was less possible, but We still spent time together on Sunday as much as we could together as a family. Now, unfortunately, Sunday has become the biggest shopping day of the week. Try to get a parking space in a mall on a Sunday. It's impossible. And we shouldn't be out shopping on Sunday. We should be doing that on the other days of the week. And people are taking home... uh, Chores from, uh, or work from the office and getting their chores done, and families who used to spend time in years past together on a Sunday, just relaxing, going someplace together. Maybe the father taking the son out fishing, or the mother and daughter sitting together and doing whatever they like to do. That time that was such a good time for families to spend together has now been lost because we're too busy shopping and doing chores on a Sunday. And that needs to be restored as best we can. And another thing that I'm horrified to realize is the large number of children that I work with here in the parish who tell me they never sit down for a meal with their families. That the mother just makes something and leaves it on the stove and they help themselves to it or they just fend for themselves or she'll leave, you know, something in there for them to heat up. That's not good. And that is not healthy. My family, growing up, we always sat together. Every night, 6 o'clock, the family had dinner together. Granted, sometimes not everybody could be there. Maybe somebody had to work who had play practice or whatever it may be. But whoever was in the house, we sat together every night at dinner at 6 o'clock. And we still do to this very day. In every parish I've been in, the priests have always done the same thing, made sure that we respect that time together as our dinner, as often the only time we really have to be together. When I first came here to St. Anne's, there was no cook, and I found out that the priests were just fending for themselves, going out and finding whatever they could pick up here and there. And I said, that's not good for several reasons. Father Carson, may he rest in peace, had told me that one night last week his uh, dinner was a bowl of cornflakes. And I said, okay, that's not healthy eating. So number one, fending for yourself does not mean we're going to have a healthy, balanced meal having a cook who is going to cook and prepare a healthy meal is so vitally important to our own physical health as well as it's often the only time we can sit down and talk with each other. Father James and I of course are busy with our own things during the day and sometimes we're like ships passing each other in the night and we'll say hello here and there as we pass each other. And sometimes the only chance we have to sit down and talk and be together is at dinner time. So We sit down together, and maybe we'll talk about something here, a project in the parish that we need to put our heads together on, or even maybe just for me to to be able to say to him, so how are your studies going? Or how's your life? How are things happening? That time is so important, and we guard it very carefully because we need that time together so that we as priestly brothers can bond and serve you well. And families are the same thing. We need that time together. And so if having dinner together in the family has not been something that you've been doing up to now, I urge you, I plead with you, please make sure you institute it now. That whoever is home eats together at the same time and we have an opportunity to talk. And make a concerted effort to have activities that involve the whole family. So parents, make sure you do find time to bring your children out somewhere. Sometimes I'll hear grandparents are telling me, my parents, you know, my children never take my grandchildren anywhere. And, sometimes, and that's a shame when that happens. Sometimes it's the reverse. Parents who are trying very hard to do things, especially with their teenage children, but their teenage children balk and don't want to go out anywhere because they somehow are embarrassed to be seen in public with um, their parents, especially if they should see one of their friends as if their friends don't realize they have parents. And I tell them, you know what? Your friends have parents too. So spending time together with your parents Teenagers especially is a wonderful thing to do. Encourage it. If your mother or father don't invite you to do it, do it. Girls, say to your mom, hey, why don't we go out and get our nails done together? Dad, how about we go to a ball game together? Anything like that. Something to keep communication going among family members. And the one place that I think is most neglected, especially when children are young, is among the husband and wife, taking time for each other. I always encourage parents No matter how busy you may be with the children and how many things they have, take the time once in a while for the two of you to go on a date. I remember as a boy, every Friday or Saturday night, my mother and father had mommy and daddy's date night and they left us with a grandparent or a babysitter, whoever it would be, and they would go out just to strengthen their relationship. That is so critical. And sometimes parents say, no, my children need me too much. Well, no, you don't need to be physically present to your children 24-7 to serve them. In fact, taking time for yourselves once in a while is so very important. Just like me as a priest, if I were to say, oh, I can't take time to pray because I have to be there serving my people all the time, know that time I take away from my prayer, from my retreat, from my day off, for my vacation is very important time to reestablish my bond with the Lord. And I remember shortly after I was ordained, a man told me something I have never forgotten. He said, Father, the best gift a husband, a father can give his children is to love their mother. And how true that is. And the reverse is also true. The best gift a mother can give her children is to love their father. Because it is the marriage that is the glue of the family. Families break up not when father and son fight or brother and sister don't get along. Families break up. When the marriage falls, when a husband and wife can no longer be together. And so your marriage is the glue to your family. And taking appropriate time to go out just to work on your marriage, remind each other how much you love each other, is a very important thing that you are doing for your children, even if your children are already grown and you're long since retired and you're now the grandparents. I watch my parents who are now in their 80s, but whenever I'm with them, you know, yeah, they fight once in a while like anybody else does, but can't this... I don't think a single day goes by that they don't give each other a hug and a kiss about five or six times and tell each other they love each other. And that still does something wonderful for me when I see that. It creates a home that I go to, even though I've long since flown the nest, of course, and not been living with them. And I know what a wonderful gift it does for grandchildren. In fact, my niece just recently had to write something in school, and she wrote a lovely letter to my parents about all the wonderful things that they, as grandparents, have taught her. And among the things she mentioned was their love for each other. And so you grandparents, your job of being a parent isn't over simply because your children are grown and now raising theirs. In fact, in many ways, you still are setting a wonderful example for your grandchildren. And making sure that our families are united around what is important, united around Christ. Sometimes our families are united around the wrong thing. You'll see a family where everything is all evolved about Johnny getting a football scholarship. And so the whole family of chemistry and everything is all about just making sure Johnny gets that football scholarship, which could be good for Johnny, except then Susie is there and Susie feels slighted because no attention is given to her. Because maybe she's smart enough that she's going to get an academic scholarship, or she starts feeling like, I'm just not important enough. Johnny is more important than I am. And making sure that the balance is to create all of our families as a little church. As Pope St. Paul VI said in a homily he gave in Nazareth once about the Holy Family, that the family is the first church the first place where God is known and loved. And make sure our families and our whole attention, our whole ethic is about growing together in Christ, teaching our children, our grandchildren, to love Christ and follow him. And hopefully when we do that, that these teachings and the lessons we give them will go with them throughout their lives. And so today on this Feast of the Holy Family, let us pray and look into our families and say, even if our families are pretty strong, as many of yours are, what can we do to strengthen it? How can I be a better child, a better parent, a better grandparent? How can I be a better brother or sister? Because that is an important part of the equation as well. And doing everything we can to make sure that our families are built beautifully on the model of the Holy Family. And as a little sidebar, if I can give a little coda to this, something that... I've lamented, and I'm sure many of you have, that is unique in our world today that I would like to call some attention to because we can all make this very same mistake, and that is the lack of civility that is going on. You notice how in the world today, it's so hard for people to have a rational, responsible conversation. People don't know how to respectfully disagree. Right away, if you don't agree with me, you're hate-filled. You hate me because you don't agree with me. And of course, you know, that's a horrible way to go about things. And people call everybody names. And it's getting worse in our world. And, of course, the world of politics has never been a civil place where people had polite things to say about their opponents. They'll say or do anything just to make their opponent drop two points in the polls and secure a victory. And this coming year, I think with the presidential election, we're going to see incivility and lack of courtesy and respect at an unprecedented level. It's been so bad in Washington, and you've seen that, we're all looking through it, seeing that people will say and do anything just to be proved right and just to make the other side look wrong. And it's getting worse and worse. And the question we often ask is, what are our children seeing? What are they learning through all of this? Well, we can't always stop what they see. They're going to pick up the newspapers, they're going to hear clips on the TV, and try as we might to keep them and shield them from seeing that some of it is going to get through. We can be the best example for them or one of the best things we can do for them, shall I say, is condemn inappropriate language and discussion of others and treatment of other politicians to the best of our ability, especially if that inappropriate behavioral language is coming from the candidate that we will support for president, whoever that person may be that we ultimately choose to vote for. And if, you know, if they say something and you might say to your children, well, I'm planning to vote for this man or this woman, whoever it will be, because that person shares my values and what I want to see in America. But I don't condemn. I don't condone. In fact, I condemn what he or she just said. No, that is not appropriate. And both parties are guilty of that. We all know that President Trump has a very bad habit of calling people names here and there. And I'm not saying anything about his policies. While many of his policies I may agree with. I don't like when he insults people. I wish he would stop that. But then on the other side, you see Democrats who tell people, um, go out and harass anyone that you see supporting President Trump. Well, that's wrong, too. It's wrong on both sides. Can we not get together and cooperate as a country? Can we be civil and work together for the well-being of our nation? And I think we can do a lot for our children to point out that they're not getting a good example from Washington of how to behave appropriately, of how to be model citizens. So let us do it. Let us show our children, I will vote for this person or that because I believe in what he or she says, but I do not support their inappropriate language and the nastiness that they're using towards one another. If we can do that, then we are doing something that will help shield our children and help make sure that what they see on TV and hear on the radio and the other things does not enter them, especially in passing around jokes about politicians, especially somebody who is the other candidate and how often people will send emails and other jokes around that totally trash the other person in a very inappropriate way and we giggle at it simply because it makes the person that we don't like uh, and we want to lose look bad. Well, if we avoid that and say, no, that is not appropriate. uh, Discuss and debate the issues, be angry with someone if you don't like what they stand for, what they believe, fine, but let's make sure we can keep it civil. If we can be civil, in fact, the the U.S. bishops have recently put together a little program called Keep It Civil to help guide Catholics especially and all of America into a civil discussion of political events. That has so much of an effect upon our families, as I'm sure you all know. But on this Feast of the Holy Family, may we pray that we can do everything we can to be civil in politics, in the world around us. You know what happens when somebody cuts you off and what do we, what do we say in front of them? You know, what, what are the children hearing from our lips you know, when somebody is driving too fast or too slow or whatever it may be? Keep it civil and teach our children to have respect for one another. If we can do that, we will be modeling our families beautifully on the wonderful image of the Holy Family of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.